Welcome, and thanks for tuning in. You're listening to a sermon from Higgins Wesleyan Church, where our mission is to link others to Christ and His love through our church. The promises that are in chapter 35, you know, it's been debated, well, who are these promises for? And some have said, well, they're, they're for the, the people of old and for the Israelites when they were coming back from uh, uh, captivity in Babylon and, and headed for, for Jerusalem. And other people said, well, no, I think it's for, for the Christian era today. And other people say, no, I think it uh, speaks of the time when uh, the end of times is coming. A writer named uh, Alexander writes this. He says, without any change uh, of its essential meaning, it may be applied to the restoration of the Jews from Babylon, to the vocation of the Gentiles after uh, Christ's uh, sacrifice on the cross, to the whole Christian dispensation, or to the course of events of our individual lives, and also to that blessed time when we'll step on heaven's shore. And I think he's right. I think we can apply him to our lives and our time just as well as back in Isaiah's day. And so I'd like to take a look at... Uh, Isaiah chapter 35, we'll kind of grab a few verses here and there. Uh, first, first, I want us to look at uh, that verse 8, that famous verse, and it says, And a highway will be there, a roadway, and it will be called the highway of holiness. The unclean will not travel on it, but it will be for him who walks this, that way, and fools will not wander on it. Highways are interesting. Highways are supposed to be roads without obstacles. And Isaiah talked about such a road. Uh, when you look through the chapter of Isaiah, he speaks of a highway or a roadway many times. Isaiah 4, 40, verse 3 says, Clear the way for the Lord. Chapter 43, verse 19, he says, and build a, I will build a roadway and streams will be in the desert. 49, 11, he says, I will make my mountains a road and my highway will be raised up. And verse, chapter 11, verse 16, he said, For the remnant will march on it just like they did coming from Egypt. Highways. They're supposed to be obstacle-free. That's one of the great things about the highways. Uh, uh, no potholes, no dangerous curves, no tiring hills. Well, he doesn't know much about Allegheny County, does he? And uh, some of the highways that uh, are superhighways kind of have potholes these days, don't they? And they have some dangerous curves in them from time to time. And uh, uh, I know some of the highways I used to travel when I drove truck down through Tennessee uh, had these hidden spots where it would be the most beautiful day in the world. And all of a sudden you come into such dense fog you couldn't see the hood ornament on the truck. And uh, many, many serious, serious wrecks in those places. But highways are supposed to be free of problems. They're supposed to be obstacle-free. They're supposed to be a place where it's safer to, to ride. And God's highway would be just such a road. It would be a path that leads away from destruction and onward and upward to healing. A way to be free from the past heartaches. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? This old thing up here, our mind, it just remembers so many things. And it seems like when we forget a lot of things, we never forget the heartaches of the past. It would be nice, wouldn't it, if we had a place where we could go, where we could travel, where we could do away with those old heartaches. And 
It would be great if we had a place where we could be free from the grip of our past sins. You know, it's bad enough that there are people from time to time that point their finger at us and they say, remember when? I'll never forget what you did. I'll never forget what you said. I'll never forget. You can kind of fill in the blank, can't you? And we would have to be honest and, and yeah, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and we're part of that all, aren't we? And uh, we're not proud of our sin, and we're not excited to be reminded of our sin. And wouldn't it be great if there was a place where, where we could finally be, be rid of that heavy load that we carry around about what we once did? Because we know that our sins are the nails that nail Jesus to the cross, don't we? And even when we come to worship Him, those things just seem to kind of creep up on us. Boy, it would be great if there was a place to live where we were away from them. And those stumbling blocks from the habits that we developed over years of uh, growing up. Habits that may not have been called sinful, but habits that just seem to get in the way of us being the child of God that God wants us to be. And boy, old habits. When you look up what an old habit is, it's something that dogs you all the time. Something that maybe started way back when. We can't even remember when it started, but it's there. And we stumble over it. And we think we're going so well and we're doing so much better in our devotions and we're excited about the Lord and we're excited about our worship time together and everything. And then we do it again. We trip over that old habit. Wouldn't it be great if there was a place where we could live our lives where there wouldn't be these old potholes and these old dangerous curves and hills and, and where we could just be beyond all that stuff and, and it would kind of be, what are we, smooth sailing, you know, from here onward to heaven? There is such a place. And it's not built by human hands. It's built by our Heavenly Father. And he told the Israelites about it. And he said, there is this highway. The highway, it's called the highway of holiness. And God's highway has a specific destination. You know, highway planners of old, they, they had plans. They didn't just decide one day, well, we're going we're gonna to build a road and we're going to uh, have it just uh, go someplace. They had plans, and uh, they, they talked about linking the east to the west and the north to the south, and they talked about making it easier to move freight and faster and, and making it... Uh, a friendlier, a better route, and a place where produce could be, be transported from one place to the other in, in a very quick time, and it wouldn't be rotten by the time it got to the consumer. And so our, our forefathers, they planned these highways, and they had an idea where they should go. And they decided that it would be easier, less chance of getting lost. I've traveled from one side of this great country to another, and I've done it by the highways, and I've tried to do it by some of the back roads. And let me tell you, there's some roads out there you can get lost on. Now, yeah, I know you get on the wrong highway, and uh, that's a little bit of a problem, too. I, I remember in our early days or after we were married and I was in the service, and we'd come back from Philadelphia 
where I was stationed for a while, and, and we'd head back up north, and uh, we just couldn't wait to get there. But when you, when you come out of Philadelphia and you get on uh, uh, the right highway, well, there was a kind of, you know, there was one cloverleaf after another, and, you'd, you know, you didn't know whether to get off on the third pedal or the second pedal or what to do, you know. And, and we would do the best we could, and we'd drive along, drive along, and we, we'd kind of wonder if we're doing okay until we finally came to the sign that said tunnel ahead because you always had a tunnel to go through. And I remember this one time, uh, we, were, we were just beginning to wonder, and we think, thought, you know, this tunnel's kind of, I don't know where it is. It's, it seems like it's a long time, but, you know, there's a lot of traffic, and your mind wanders and everything. And finally, we saw the sign said, Tunnel Ahead. The only thing was, the tunnel didn't look like it. usually did. And um, when you leave Philadelphia... If you head north, you're going to go through a tunnel. But if you head west, you're going to go through a tunnel, too. And uh, we went through the wrong tunnel. And that was a lot of backtracking to do. But it's not supposed to be that way. It's supposed to be easier. It's supposed to be safer. It's supposed to be quicker. And usually it is. And the Israelites saw God's highway. And they knew that if God built it, it had to be a road that led to the right place. And Isaiah began to talk about this highway in this chapter. Let's take a look at those first verses. Because he, he said this highway would go through a place of, of plenty. First couple of verses. He said, the wilderness and the desert will be glad, and the, and the, and the desert will rejoice and blossom like the, like the crocus. And it will blossom profusely. And rejoice with rejoicing and shouts of joy. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it. And the majesty of Carmel and Sharon. And they will see the glory of the Lord. The majesty of our God. He talked about uh, Carmel and Lebanon and Sharon. And those places reminded the Israelites of something. It reminded them of of the great cedars of Lebanon. Boy, such beautiful fields. Never are there in any place in Israel forest like there are in Lebanon. And boy, that was one of their their great things that they would remember. And they would remember those fertile fields and the fruit trees and the vineyards. and, And they had all this desert to go through. And Isaiah was saying, when God paves the way, it's going to be a better way. And it's going to go through better places. And it's going to be a smooth way. He goes on and he says, uh, Encourage the exalted and strengthen the feeble. Say to those with anxious hearts, Take courage, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. And the recompense of God will come. But he will save you. Even when Isaiah tries to explain how great it is and how beautiful it is to follow the Lord, he still reminds people, That God is the judge. And he will judge you. And if you are one of the people that are not living for him, and if you are living a wicked life, he will come and his vengeance will come, and it will come swiftly and it will come heavily, and you will not escape it. But he said, you who are right with the Lord will be saved. Then the eyes of the blind will be opened and the ears of the deaf will be unstopped, and then the lame will leap like a deer, and the tongue of the dumb will shout for joy, for waters will break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. 
Wow, such a beautiful place. And the whole world is looking for that highway. Everybody wants it. Everybody wants what's there. Everybody wants that place where there aren't struggles, where there aren't things that are going to trip us up all the time, where I don't have to work all day long and wonder when I get done at the end of the day if I've accomplished anything. Everybody's looking for that place. And it's there, but you can't find it in the atlas because it's not there. And it's not found in the city either. And it's not found in the suburbs, and it's not even found in the countryside. But it is found in a person. It's found in the person called Jesus. And there is the way. There is the highway, if you will, to the life that this entire world is looking for. To a life where there is joy and where there is love and where there is peace and where there is mercy and where there is grace and where there is freedom and where there is bountiful uh, things for us to enjoy. The world looks and longs for that place and is looking in all the wrong places. But you say highways are easy to spot. They're huge. Oh, yeah, if you look in the right place. But God's highway is a special highway. And he makes it clear that God's highway is not for everybody. It's for the redeemed. Oh, he would desire that everybody would travel on it, but not everybody can. You see, it's for the redeemed. Let's take a look at those last couple of verses. For the redeemed of the Lord will return, and they will come with shouts of joy to Zion, with everlasting joy upon their heads, and they will find gladness and joy and sorrow and sighing will flee away. He uses that word joy quite a lot, doesn't he? For a very good reason, because joy will be there. Being physically set free is a kind of a, a, a good thing. It's easy to comprehend. When something has been weighing you down, and finally you get rid of that something. I noticed once in a while one of you are wandering around with a cast on your arm or your leg or something. And I've been there too. I know about that. And, and boy, it is kind of really a relief when that thing all of a sudden is gone. The heavy burden has been lifted. And we look for that place. And it's kind of easy to understand what it's like to, to be physically free. Well, I watch the news and I see what's going on in uh, some other countries and I just shake my head and then I thank God that I'm where I'm at. Freedom. Freedom. Physical freedom. And I watch people that are marching and marching and getting on buses and traveling till they don't know where just so they can get away from the oppression. Looking for Freedom. And I've talked to some people of late that are involved with uh, uh, the refugees as they come over to our country in the Buffalo. And I didn't realize, but many of these people who finally make it over here and who say they're free from that oppression, they've lived in refugee camps, some of them for 10, 15, even 20 years, waiting for the opportunity to finally be free. And it's easy to understand that kind of freedom, isn't it? It's easy to realize that you don't want to be 
in some little camp, in some little hut or tent. You want to be free and in a home. But spiritual freedom is a little harder for us to, to comprehend, but it's far more important. And when we begin to realize that there's something within us that doctors haven't been able to see yet, and that's that thing called our soul. And, and I find it hard to comprehend that the real me is not what's standing before you. Well, I am, but I'm not. You know what I mean? I mean, I have this shell, this body that I live in, and, and I'll, I'll live in it as long as God allows, and then, well, but the real me won't die. It'll go on for all eternity, and it will, it will live in, in one of two places. A place of eternal bliss that we call heaven or a place of eternal destruction that is certainly nothing that we want. But to try to understand this kind of freedom, that's a, that's a little bit harder. But the Scripture tells us that it is there if we travel this road and is there in Christ Jesus. Can you remember... When you first traveled on a highway, on one of these super highways, uh, I, I can remember back that far, and I can remember that uh, it looked too big. The old roads looked a little more comfortable, and it looked too crowded. I mean, you got four lanes of traffic, two going this way and two going that way, and there's a buzzing all around, and, and they, they, they looked too hard to, hard to comprehend. And uh, uh, then there was this guy that he drove a special car, and he had this little light on it. Well, they don't do this anymore, do they? They did when I first started driving. They went round and round. We call them bubblegum machines. But uh, anyhow, uh, it's the highway patrol. And it seemed that just as I got used to the highways and used to how to travel on them and everything and got feeling pretty good about uh, they're nice and straight and they could go and you could go and go on them and you could kind of put your foot down a little bit more and you could on the old country roads and just enjoy sailing along. There's this guy who comes up and he wants to talk. And he's a little bit nosy. He wants to see your license, and he wants to see your registration, and all that kind of stuff. And he wants to know where you're from, and where you're going, and what you're doing, and what's your big hurry, and, and all that stuff. And yeah, poor old highway patrolman, he gets a bad rap, doesn't he? And we don't like to see him coming along. But then there's God's highway the highway of holiness. And he said, only the redeemed can travel there, so you'll be with a, with a great group if you get on this highway. You'll be on with the people that have recognized that Jesus is the Savior of their souls, and the only way that they can live forever is to live with Jesus and surrender themselves to him. And so you have this, this very special group of people traveling this highway. And uh, um, you'll... Soon have a wreck on that highway, though, if you don't say goodbye to the old ways and welcome in the new. And that's why it's called the highway of holiness. Because you can't live the old way on the new way. It doesn't work. 
You can't have the old habits and the old ways of life on the new way. There is the old, and Paul talked about it in, in, in terms of clothing. And he says, you put off the old, you get rid of that, and you put on the new. And for this highway, we put off the old ways and the old habits and the old styles and everything, and, and we realize that this old Model T can travel that road if I quit dealing with it like the old Model T. If I realize that God's got fuel to put in it, not what I want to put in it, and I realize that God's got a pattern for me to drive, not the pattern that I want to drive. And, and there is this highway patrolman that's there too, isn't he? And he's on the highway of holiness, and, and he's called the Holy Spirit. And he's not the bad guy. He wants to comfort us. He wants to tell us it's okay, it's a long journey, but you're headed in the right direction. And he wants to help us get there safely. And he's the one that kind of comes up alongside of us and nudges us. I don't know if he turns on lights for you or not, but he comes up and he nudges us and he says, you know, you can't do those things here. It's not pleasing to the master. It's not helpful to you. It's harmful to you and to other people who travel here. And you've got to get rid of those old ways. And we begin to spit and sputter and say, but, you know, I, well, but I, I'm not sure and I don't know what to do and I'm not sure what you're talking about and everything. And he says, hold it, stop. All you need to do is let me know that you want to go the right way. And I will help you. That's why the Holy Spirit is called the Helper. Because he wants to help us. And when he convicts us of something that is wrong, it's not that he's trying to be mean. It's not that he's trying to, to spoil your fun. He's trying to help you have a safe trip and get to the journey to end that you want to get to. And he's trying to help you find the peace and the joy that you've been looking for all these days. So that patrolman... He's, he's a good guy. And he says, if you'll go my way, you'll be free of harm and free from the pitfalls of the old roads and, and from the dead ends and from the pain of it all. And I don't know about you folks, but in this world there are an awful lot of dead ends. And you who are kind of on the younger side of your life and you're going through this thing called college and you're making plans and everything... Let me throw out a little bit of caution. Be careful of your plans. A lot of them lead down dead-end roads. Be careful. And seek out the Lord's direction and advice as you make your plans. Because we have this thing called the brain, you know, and, and, and we, we do well with our education and we learn very well uh, how to do things. We learn so well how to do things, we don't even need help, do we? I found out we do. And the Holy Spirit, He will help us. I don't know about you, but I find it very, very frustrating when I put all of my energy and all of my effort into something and just give it everything I got and work so very hard and very long and all of a sudden find that I'm at the end of a dead end 
road. There's one that can help us not do that. And that's the Holy Spirit that can help us be on the right road, headed in the right direction. So when I'm on this highway, I need a few new things. I need to get rid of some old things, and I need to replace them with new things. And I need a new road map. And here's the road map, folks. And you folks who are in school, stay there, study, do your best, learn what you can learn, and use all those books, or I don't know, maybe you don't use books anymore. Maybe you use, what, e-books or computer thingamajiggers or whatever. Uh, I don't know, but uh, that's okay. But you better take this one here. And you better put this above all the other books and you better filter all the other books through here. And then your education is going to amount to something. Because it's going to put you on this highway of holiness. Headed in the right direction. And we need a... Dare I say we need a new attitude? We grow up in families that are flawed families. Sorry, folks. All of our families are flawed, one way or another. And we go through elementary school and high school, and we are taught by flawed teachers. Sorry if you're a teacher. And we need a new attitude, because all this... Growing up creates in us an attitude. For some of us, it's an attitude that has a lot of inferiority mixed in with it. God wants to help you get rid of that. You don't need that. Timothy said, stir up that fire that's in you. Don't have that spirit of timidity. Get rid of that. And I will help you. And for others, we have this attitude that, that uh, well, you know, everybody else ought to be glad that I'm here because there's nobody like me around this place. And, and you're just very fortunate to be around. Maybe some of my charm and some of my brains and everything will kind of ooze off on you. And you'll, it, it's just wonderful that you could be around me because bad attitude. And there are a whole host of attitudes in the middle, but we need to develop a new attitude. And that's the attitude that I know the guy that's always right. And it's not the one standing up front, it's Jesus. And he is always right. And he will never lie to me. And he will never trick me. And he will tell me when I'm wrong. And he'll tell me when I'm right. And he will point me in the right direction. And he never, ever, ever will slow me down. I need a new attitude. You know, and I need a new goal, too. We all have goals, or we should have goals. Part of going to school and learning in school is learning how to develop goals for our lives. When we're young, you know, the goals are simple. They're not hard. I can't wait till Mom turns her back so I can grab another cookie. That's easy. 
It's a goal, and it's easy to achieve it, now, kind of, unless you've got a mom like mine with eyes in the back of her head. But then we develop other goals, you know, and we, we think we know what we want to do in life. And, and I remember by the time I got out of high school, it was a cinch. I knew exactly what I wanted to do. Nobody had to try to persuade me, direct me or anything. I knew I wanted to be a dairy farmer. End of story. Dead end road. A goal that brought about a lot of heartache. A goal that that was so exciting as I was trying to live out this dream that just didn't make it. But God's goals, they don't come to dead ends. God's goals, they they don't lead us to a place where we just shake our heads and say, what is going on now? And God's goals aren't very complicated. It's kind of simple, really. Bless God. That's the main one. Bless God. Well, I've learned that one. What's the next thing to learn? Well, I don't know about you, but it takes a lifetime to learn that one. Bless Him in everything we do. Whether we're having fun or whether we're not having so much fun. Whether we're in school and we're learning a lot of stuff or whether we get that report card at the end of the semester and it just doesn't look like what we wanted. Bless God. And if life is not turning out the way you want, bless God. It's easy to bless Him when everything turns out right. But either way, He said, bless Him. Now, how do you do that? For me, Five o'clock in the morning is a great time to bless the Lord. How about the rest of you? Five o'clock in the morning, great time? Yeah, I see one more hand. Eleven o'clock at night, can you bless the Lord? No. How are you going to bless Him when you're sleeping? But God knows. He knows how to help you on all those points through all that time to be a blessing to Him. And only God can help us do that. How do you bless him when everything goes wrong? How do you bless him when the things that you thought were most precious in life fall flat? God can help you with that. We need a new goal to bless God and to end up in that place that we call heaven. But you see, Heaven is not really the end goal. And that's what we're taught. We're taught that in, in, in a lot of ways. And when we, when we talk to somebody about, uh, about their salvation, about accepting Christ as their personal Savior, what's one of the things that we point out to them? You can't go to heaven without Jesus. And that's right. And we tell them, you know, how great heaven's going to be compared to this earth and all that stuff. And all of that is Right. But blessing God is what it's all about. You see, that's why we go to heaven. Hope you're not disappointed. But that's why we go to heaven. For now we, we live by faith and we bless him by faith, but then we will see him face to face. And we can bless him some more for all eternity. 
There are no tolls on this road, but it'll cost you. You got to surrender all, or you can't drive ride the highway of holiness. And it's a perfect road until I get on it. But God has a plan to make me perfect in His eyes. That's why it's called the highway of holiness. You see, He wants to make me holy, and He wants to make you holy too. And He's got a plan for that. And that's what we discover along the way on the highway of holiness. And along the way, yeah, just like on the highways that we have around here, there are, there are service plazas. You realize that, don't you? On this highway that God has for us, there's a place to rest. Isn't that great? This old world doesn't want to give us an opportunity to rest. It just, it just seems to tell us more and more and more. But God says, rest. I will give you rest for your soul. Yeah, the highway patrol is there, the Holy Spirit. And sometimes he throws his hand up in front of him and says, whoop, stop. No more. You need rest. You need my rest. And I will give it to you. Well, then we think about that old saying, don't we? It's my way or the highway. My way or the highway. I want you to change that saying. And I want you to hear it from God's perspective. Because you know what he's saying to us today? My way is the highway. And my way is the highway of holiness. And my way is the highway for you. Forget about that other stuff. God says, my way is the highway. And the ransomed of the Lord will return, and they come with joyful shouting to Zion, with everlasting joy upon their heads, and they will find gladness and joy and sorrow and sighing. will all flee away. Well, I, I think we could stand now and turn to 761 in our hymnals. And this is a great hymn, a great song of joy, but it's also a song of commitment. And I think right now, God is saying to all of us, do you want to be on my highway? Will you do what I ask you to do? Will you come as I call you to come to live and to travel on this highway? It's for you, God is saying. But you need to be the redeemed. You need to accept Christ as your personal Savior. That's step number one. And then you need to come to me and you need to simply say, Yes, Lord, whatever, you fill in the blank. That I might be that holy person you've called me to be as I live and travel for you. Pray that prayer as we sing 761. Heavenly Father, thank you for today and for this opportunity to worship you. And thank you for pointing the direction for us. And thank you for telling us that there is joy there, great joy, everlasting joy, overwhelming joy. Something that we don't know an awful lot about. 
And help us, Father, as we surrender our lives to you, to tell the enemy of our soul, soul to take a hike, that we know the highway now, and it's God's highway, and we're going to get on it, and we're going to travel it. And help us not to be afraid of that title, the highway of holiness. And help us to realize that you have a holiness plan for us as individuals. And that you will tailor it to my special life that you've created me to live. And help us to realize that as we surrender to you, we open up our hearts to a life of rest and peace and joy and comfort. Lead us along, I pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for taking the time to listen. For more information, you can find us on the web at higginswesleyanchurch.com. And don't forget to like us on Facebook. Also, feel free to subscribe to our weekly podcast on iTunes for more from the folks here at Higgins. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord.